0: you're listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates i'm sarah gulsa and it is a fun educational day there's books in the studio there are books i'm pretty excited about that <laughs> you're kind of i'm i know you go by the term like Hymn nerd, but you're also kind of a book nerd, too, So as am I. I like (laughs) lots of books, too. We're excited because we get to learn something today. So Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu.
1: Live Uncommon.
0: Joining us in studio today, Cheryl Swope. She's author of Simply Classical, A Beautiful Education for Any Child. And uh, it is always a joy to have you in studio because I know we're going to learn something. Thanks so much for joining us, Cheryl.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: So I saw on your blog, as a parent, I enjoy perusing your blog, and saw an article about reading aloud, which is something we do frequently in our household, usually around bedtime. That's kind of one of our ways to wind down before prayer time so that we're calm by the time we get to prayers. You have
1: to read calm books. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Although we don't always succeed at finding the calm books, but we love reading aloud. And so you wrote a, a wonderful post about reading aloud. And so I'd love to talk more about that. What are, why read aloud? Are there benefits to reading aloud?
2: Why read aloud? There... I believe, are many benefits to mm-hmm. reading aloud. I don't know that we can prove them empirically, but I do know that when you can trust reading aloud and introducing your children to print, that you are impacting their brains, their minds, their hearts, and their beings, more than introducing them to screens and images. There's a good book by Nicholas Carr, C-A-R, who wrote, let's see, The Shallows, that's the title of it, The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. Hmm. He has a lot to say about children and what we're doing to our children's brains, allowing them to spend so much time in the digital world as opposed to the world of print. So one thing that Reading Aloud does is it introduces children to this wonderful, magical experience of reading a book or being read to I think there are at least three ways that we impact our children's minds. One is in the realm of language. We are, we are sharing words that they might not hear otherwise. Mm -hmm. So we're enriching their vocabulary. We're also reading well-constructed sentences if we're choosing our books wisely, (laughs) which we want to do. So it's, for us, what we found when I was raising um, raising my two, and we do still read aloud today even though they're older, but we found that language would wash over all of us in a way that was more elevated than the language we were using to each other or just in, in casual conversations. So enriching their appreciation for language is a big one. Then also the cognitive, just intellectual development Mm -hmm. that comes from reading aloud. There are some uh, studies that have looked at reading nonfiction instead of just fiction. For boys, often it's how things are built, those books with trucks and the names of all the different (laughs) kinds of construction equipment that you can have. It helps children with reading. It helps them with understanding science and processes and all of that to read nonfiction. But then also fiction with the imagination. There's a whole there's a whole group studying moral imagination, which involves the fairy tales, the, the portrayal of clear good and clear evil where it's not mixed together. It was so funny because just the other night my my daughter Michelle, whom you know, she didn't want to play a board game that night. Usually we play board games at night, but she said I'm kind of tired. Dad, could you read a story? So he's always up for reading a story. <laughs> she said he said, "Do you have one in mind?" And she said, "Oh yes, Toads and Diamonds." I had not heard of Toads and Diamonds, but apparently it's one of her favorite fairy tales ever. It's written by Charles Perrault, who wrote Cinderella. Mm -hmm. So it's this lesser known fairy tale, but she knows exactly where it is. She makes a beeline (laughs) for the bookshelf, picks it up and reads. So it was, it struck me knowing that I was coming here talking about read alouds. It struck me as just a perfect example. I wish we could read it, but I'll just sort of summarize. It's kind of reminiscent of Cinderella. There's this very quiet, polite, kind, gentle hearted girl who is not loved by, in this case, her actual mother, who prefers, strongly prefers, the sister. And both the mother and the sister are very grumpy, critical, unkind folks. And then here's this girl. Well, the girl goes to draw water for the family. It's one of her many chores. It's a mile and a half away. And as she's drawing water for the family, and she has to bring it back. She encounters a woman who's actually some sort of fairy godmother or something, but dressed as a poor beggar woman who asks for the water. And the, the girl, of course, in her kindness, gives that water to this poor beggar woman. And as she does so, she speaks words of kindness as well. Flowers and diamonds flow, literally, from her lips onto the ground. <laughs> By contrast, later in the story, flash forward, the girl who's very critical was sent to go to the same well because the mother's thinking, we can all get rich here if Mm -hmm. you go to the well and you end up with diamonds. So the critical girl went and out poured toads Mm. from her mouth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> toads and frogs, because when she was speaking, she was not speaking words of gentleness and kindness and and love and warmth. The stark contrast, I just thought we would never, we wouldn't have something like that written today, probably. But for a child's simple mind, it was so, so clear what was right and what was wrong. And I think that those sorts of stories have impacted, I know, my children in the sense that she kind of became that over time she had heard it and read it and she she understood that was the way to be with somebody that was more more kind so it so anyway so language cognitive intellectual but then also that moral imagination and then last just the bonds the human bonds between those of us who read aloud together and i was thinking of a friend of mine whose children are all grown but her husband reads to her hmm at night that's how she falls asleep they read classic books that they wish they would have read when they were younger Mm -hmm. but he reads aloud to her just the wonder of a book bringing us all together and then you have those shared references too for the rest of your lives so you can we could reference toads and diamonds if we wanted to Mm -hmm. there are other books that we reference often from our children's childhood
0: who needs audiobooks when you have a spouse that'll read to you, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, or we just listen to audiobooks. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like audiobooks are like the adult version of this because then we can both sit. I mean, it's also our car trip entertainment. We put on audiobooks. Sherlock Holmes has been the recent fascination for us. But then we're both being read aloud to, and we ho- we have this magical experience in the car <laughs> while we're driving. And it, it is really fun, and I, I understand all of that that you're saying what should we what should we consider when we're preparing to read books to our children or i suppose to each other what should we consider when
2: we're preparing i i guess of course we want to match the ability of our children to the book that we're reading so we wouldn't start off with dickens or shakespeare when they're (laughs) three or four but but we can also make sure that we're stretching them a little bit by reading slightly higher than where they might otherwise be. And even your Sherlock Holmes example, you might be too tired to read that yourself at night, but... When you're on a car trip and someone else is reading it well, then mm-hmm. it's stretching you beyond what you might pick up, which might be more mm-hmm. in line of a magazine or something if you're super tired. But having it be just a little bit higher than where we are is a great place to to be. Mm-hmm.
0: I remember my son, I think at age four or five, using the word preposterous. Mm-hmm. Where did you learn that? Oh yes, it's in one of the books that we've been reading there at you night. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> because it's not a word that I use on a regular basis at home in conversations with a 4 or 5-year-old child, but Yes. It was yeah. just in a book. That's preposterous. <laughs>
2: That's a great <laughs> That's example. <fun>. Yes.
0: <laughs> so he just learned it from our read aloud time. <laughs> no, you brought up a, a great point, you know, matching to the age uh, or level of the the hearer but also going a little bit further just to stretch them a little bit more i want to talk a little bit more about that what's appropriate for various ages or abilities or levels and we'll do that in just a moment we're going to take a quick break we'll come back and continue our conversation with cheryl swope you're listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates
1: i'm Sarah
0: Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: Today we're talking with Cheryl Swope. She's author of Simply Classical, A Beautiful Education for Any Child. And today we're talking about, we're learning about reading aloud with children or really with anyone. You could be reading aloud with your spouse as well. And before we went to break, we were just talking, just starting to breach the topic of uh, age levels or ability levels and 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 finding a good match for that so so what do we need to know when we're considering you know uh, uh, reading aloud for a child who's three to five or you know those age groups i think you shared some different age groups in your your blog post as well so what do we need to think about with those different age groups
2: If we start with three to five, what's nice is to have a picture on every page, if possible. And I I have, I wish everybody could see, but I have this beautiful book that we read just over and over. It's by Rachel Field. It's called Prayer for a Child. We included in our Simply Classical curriculum Prayer for a Child. And that curriculum is for children with special needs. I found that having a picture on each page just helped. to to keep their attention and to focus them on the words that were going on. So I'll just read a few pages from it. It's a little girl, and she's in front of a cozy fireplace. That's one of the things with three to five. Staying with family Mm. is a a great centerpiece for a read aloud. But it says, Bless the lamplight, bless the fire. And then you turn the page and you see hands of a mother buttoning the dress of the little girl. Bless the hands that never tire in their loving care of me. And you turn the page and there's a picture of sister, brother, baby, another sister, maybe, or a playmate in the toy box and a cat. (laughs) And it says, bless my friends and family. The rhyming is so important. I've learned this through creating the curriculum that children who hear and understand rhyming do better in reading because when you start to learn about word families like sat, cat, mat, you're much better able to distinguish those from the short vowel of, say, E. So instead of mat and met you you can hear those differences because you're accustomed to what they call phonological awareness you're accustomed to rhymes so i love hmm. books that rhyme for our children but i love the illustrations we want to look for things at every level that have beautiful or realistic illustrations art We want to think of them as as little bitty art books, too, because we're also encouraging or cultivating their tastes. So we want them to have tastes for excellence. It does matter what
1: we read. I loved looking at the pictures when I was a kid. I think I used to get, I used to want my mom to read faster because all I wanted to do was look at the pictures. I remember this. (laughs) Well, and now look at what you do. So you create these
2: beautiful images for KFUO with hymns that coordinate so
1: well with those pieces
2: of art. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. What about for older age groups? What are some things to consider?
2: For older age groups, so let's say six to nine We still like the family-based or familiar-based settings, Mm -hmm. but we can go more into, I guess, um, a little bit more challenging concepts. And, Andy, I gave you a book that is a Christmas story. It's a little golden children's book which we were saying before we started that we all just love them mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. so glad they're still around. We include those too. This Christmas story has a picture of the nativity, but then it includes words that are from scripture. These are not really retellings. These are are true stories and teaching teaching that age group that this is true is really important. Mhm.
0: Mhm. All right, so this is the Christmas story from Little Golden Books. When the angels disappeared into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried to the town and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Afterwards, the shepherds told everyone they met about the child.
2: That's wonderful, and yeah. if we all had voices like that, that'd be great. <laughs> we don't, but we can't worry about that. We're I just... didn't do
0: character voices. We oh, just character voices. I are do character so voices fun. too. That's the, the best part about reading together. I
2: Love yeah, just, doing character that's... voices. My dad did that. My dad was a DJ, <laughs> so he he had a great voice, great singing voice, big. Um, baritone, all the resonance, but he could do voices. So my first being read aloud to was comic strips in the paper, (laughs) the funnies. He called them, Uh I'll read you the funnies. And he would do the voices. It was wonderful. So we talked about the age group. So then I think at 10 and up, we can start thinking from other people's perspectives there are books written from the perspective of a cricket, the cricket in Times Square.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or we can also travel back in time, Homer Price, what was it like when he was a boy and he was in this small town, travel to the Swiss Alps with Heidi. We can take ourselves to different places through books. We can introduce our children through books to travel. But we can also, I gave Sarah a poem, we can think about how other people see things. The one that Sarah is going to read is from Robert Louis Stevenson's famous collection of children's poetry. At the end, he writes to his mother so so children can envision how a mother
1: might understand reading aloud. To my mother, you too, my mother, read my rhymes for love of unforgotten times, and you may chance to hear once more the little feet along the floor. (laughs) It's very cute. Yes. (laughs) Right.
2: Just how important it is for us. It's not just for our children. It's for us to have that time and take that time to read aloud. Hmm.
0: So what about uh, reading for when they get into those teen years or, or beyond? Um, anything that, that we should consider thinking about, you know, they're old enough to read books on their own now and enjoy them on their own.
2: When we were homeschooling, there was a man named Jim Trelease and he wrote the Read Aloud Handbook. It's where we really understood, began to understand the importance of reading to children, even when they can read themselves. That was not something that my parents did. Once I could read, they no longer read to me. I don't think that it even crossed their mind. Mm -hmm. But there are families now, there's a whole movement of reading aloud beyond the time that the child can read on his own. So, yes, well into the teen years, as long as they will allow it <laughs> or, or be be allowed to be moved by it, then we want to keep doing that. My husband, when, when our children were maybe 11 or 12, I think, he spent an entire summer, might have spanned two summers, reading the Tolkien trilogy. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned that before, but we still marvel at the astounding accomplishment of reading that. A lot of families have done that, but reading it all allowed together. That was a highlight. And I will say too, that when he started that, they had no interest. They really did not want to read this book. They wanted to read the familiar ones. Mm -hmm. He said, just give it time. Well, and it was not long before they were completely hooked and it became one of their favorites. And then they went back and read, I think they went Back and read the Mm Cimmerillion, maybe independently by that point, the kind of prequel Mm -hmm. to that whole trilogy. So yes, we want to keep going. The other night when my daughter wanted Toads and Diamonds, my son said, I want to read my own book. I don't want to join. I don't want to do this. And that was fine. So he was down on the sofa, down on the lower level. And my husband then took my daughter upstairs. Well, I wanted to hear Toads and Diamonds, I never (laughs) heard it. So I came up and lo and behold, it was not long before Michael came up and joined us. He was hooked and I was away last night, just dinner with some friends. And it turns out that they read again (laughs) last night. So, and I know our situation is a little bit different, but but yes, we want to keep reading. Definitely. Or audiobooks. Like you said, yes. sharing an audiobook in the car. It doesn't have to be one person reading. It, it can
1: be audiobooks with good readers, not the robotic computer readers but (laughs) the good nice rich british voices they're fantastic i love it (laughs) yes you have more books in studio are there other books other favorites you want to share with us before we before we run out of time (laughs) certainly the one of
2: my all-time favorites is a child's garden of bible stories we want to fill our children with the comfort and hope and truth and holiness of real Bible stories and we want to let them know that these really happen these are historically accurate this is this is revealing God to a child in story form but we want to distinguish between make believe stories and mm-hmm. true stories so I love a child's garden of Bible stories by it's by Arthur Grove and it's at least second publication from CPH we tie our writing program to this book we mm-hmm. have a Bible edition of writing so it's writing and comprehension all tied in mm-hmm. with the Bible stories another one that I love and this gets to your point Sarah of the illustrations and mm. the importance for I, our children I was eyeing that one <laughs> Tasha Tudor I love her this is one
1: That's beautiful.
2: She's such an amazing illustrator. I love anything illustrated by Tasha Tudor. She also has a book of prayers. She has illustrated The Lord's Prayer, this little book. And it's so beautiful. This is the one we include in our Simply Classical curriculum because... It is teaching numbers, mm-hmm. too. We do want to make sure that we have a lot of counting books, a lot of numbers. We're working on the, the math as well. But this is five eggs in a pretty round nest. It's a beautiful picture of a little bird sitting on a nest with mm-hmm. five, uh, five eggs. She has the borders with, with flowers that are pink and the green leaves. Her attention to detail is exquisite. Then there's another one, this is for Christmas, A Promise Kept, The Story of Christmas. Memoria Press put this together themselves. It is straight from the readings of Luke, or um, I don't know if they're all Luke, they may be, with sacred art on each page. This would be for older students, and again, this would be a Christmas mm-hmm. book. So we we have a lot of Advent and Christmas books. This is a great time to read aloud.
0: All right, so you did bring up Advent and Christmas. You you mentioned a great Christmas piece. Do you have any favorites for Advent as well, with Advent being right upon us in a couple of weeks?
2: I kind of like a promise kept for for Advent, Advent, even though it's the story of Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's it's talking about what we're coming upon. Mm -hmm. So that stays grounded. I do not know off the top of my head of Advent books are that are in that same classic realm. Oh, Cloria K-L-O-R-I-A. Mm-hmm. They are just releasing an Advent book, yes, that we are hoping to put in. So that just popped in my mind. It is O Come, o Come Emmanuel. Yes, I've seen that. They also have a Latin version. So that's a nice thing for people who are teaching Latin or using Latin mm-hmm. in their divine services. Yes, so that one can be a highlight, obviously taking the hymn. And then another one that I like for that kind of time is St. Nicholas, the real story of the Christmas legend, Julie Stegemeyer. This is so important as children start to see Santa Claus everywhere. We can really ground them in the, the truth of the, the actual saint who lived. It's St. Nicholas, the real story of the Christmas legend
0: very good all helpful resources and insights i've learned a lot today have Mm -hmm. you sarah yes i need to
1: go read to my nieces and nephews now
0: (laughs) our guest today cheryl swope author of simply classical a beautiful education for any child you can find more at simplyclassical.com cheryl always a pleasure to to have you in studio and thanks for bringing half your library with us well it's probably not even (laughs) uh bringing so many books to share with us today it's great to talk with you
1: you are welcome
0: you've been listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates
1: i'm sarah Gilseth.